Dave Festchuk from the Toronto Star might have an opinion on that. Dave, welcome in. How are you, sir? Mr. Taddy, doing great. Thanks. Uh, are you okay? What do you want, a long-term deal or, or bridge deal for Nylander? Well, I think, I mean, I think it's pretty well established that, that bridge deals can backfire on you in so many different ways. We've seen it, we've seen it so many different times where teams uh, have done that and, it, and they've paid for it in, in the long term. Um, so if you believe in the talent of William Nylander, and I have to believe that Kyle Dubas, given the emphasis on skill that he's brought to his short tenure as uh, general manager of the Toronto Police, believes in William Nylander because you cannot deny William Nylander's skill, uh, you want to lock this guy up for the long term. There's, there's no doubt about that. And I, I think they have every intention of doing that. So what is, I mean, what's long term? Is it max or is it comparable to the Dylan Larkin deal at five years? Well, obviously, if you're a team, you want to, yeah, you want the, you want the long term to be reasonable. And, and you know, you, you prefer five to eight. And I'm sure that's where the negotiation lies, right? I'm sure it's all about, it's all about the, the give and take between term and, and annual average value and, and on down the line. So if I'm the team, I, yeah, five sounds good to me because we've, we've seen so many, so many instances where guys, guys peak earlier than we think they do in this league, right? They all, so often, you know, the age 22, age 23, age 24 seasons turn out to be better than the age 25, 26, 27 seasons. And, and there are obviously exceptions to that, and it's not a hard and fast rule, but we've certainly seen that happen. So, you know, you got to believe that, uh, you know, five sounds better for the team, eight sounds better for the player, and, that, and that's, I'm sure that's what they're talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you on the five. For me, eight is just um, it's it boxes you in. It boxes the player in. It's a, a contract of a lifetime, and uh, it's very difficult to live up to that. At five years, at least, you know there's I mean there there's an end to it, and 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 if you've achieved, you could actually get more money. At eight, it's like um, I don't know where you go after that. It, it's sort of closed end. It, it just it just runs into a brick wall for me. How about you? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, look, I mean. I mean, there's so many GMs that, that would look at an AU deal and say, well, I won't have to worry about that because I'm not going to be around. <laughs> so I think that's why that's why you can get handed out so often in this league. But, but yeah, I mean, five years makes more sense to me. I mean, you can make the case. I mean, that I've seen statistical analysis of the league that, that make the case that you're better off doing that because, well, hey, you in a five-year deal, William Nylander will finish that deal around age 27, and, and you can argue, look, I mean, they just signed a guy, Johnny Tavares, who's age 28, who, you know, for, for a mega deal. But, you know, those guys are few and far between, and Johnny Tavares is a sentiment, a guy who's never really relied on his explosiveness. William Nylander, if you look at what he's doing in this league right now, he's relying on, on explosive speed um, and, and great skill. So will the explosive speed be there late in, you know, late into his 20s, into his 30s? Well, you don't want to have to bet on that necessarily. You've got to see it with your own eyes. And so, I, I you know, obviously, if I'm Kyle Dubas, I feel better about uh, a lesser term. But maybe you have to sacrifice a little bit in the in, in the annual average. And if you do, I mean, you know, they seem pretty confident. And they've got, you know, Brandon Pridden on staff to, to, to make sure that they can handle all these contracts moving forward. And, and the fact that they've got a number of the guys on bargain deals, uh, from Kadri to, to Morgan Riley on down, uh, suggest they'll be able to do it. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you there at all. I, th- I think they're, they're set up nicely here. What do you think the dollar figure is for Nylander? Well, look, I mean, there's been plenty of analysis on that. I mean, when you look at him, I mean, you know, 261-point seasons in a row, that puts him 
that puts him fairly squarely into that six million dollar range, right? Yeah. You know, if you look at look at the guys who who put up comparable production uh, at this point in their careers, uh, you know, he's right in there. So, I mean, it, it seems fairly straightforward in a lot of ways. But if you do this, I mean, every half a million, every every hundred thousand, I guess, it technically matters, right? And I think what he's going to try and do here when he's looking at the triumvirate of signing Nylander, Van Marner, and Matthews, um, he's going to have to try and sell them on the specialness of being in Toronto, right? In, in yeah. other words, can you, you know, we want to chisel these deals down so that we have those extra millions on our books going forward. Um, and if you can get everybody to buy into the idea that being a Leaf is special, and Brennan Chan has talked about that from the beginning here, you, we want players who think it means something to play in this town. Uh, well, if you think it means something, we put a value on that something. And, you know, the way Stevie Eisenman was very, has been very adamant about, you know, setting limits on his on his deals and, and setting a limit on the Stamkos deal um, and, and then having Stamkos come back. I think, I think you've got to have a little bit of that hardcore feeling in you as a GM, especially if you're a GM of a team this promising in a market this rabid. You've got to be able to convince guys, hey, you know, you may, you may not take the absolute top dollar at this point in your career. You could definitely make more. But, you know, the idea is to be a Toronto Maple Leaf, to be a guy who is a part of a team that has a chance, to, as, you, as you've been saying earlier in the show, Jimmy, they got a chance here not just to win one cup, they got a chance here to win multiple cups if they do it right yep. and things break their way. Uh, that's worth something, too. And you got to put the onus on the player a little bit to say, you know, you know that you will be a rich man down the road here. And let's think about the team as much as we're thinking about our individual contracts. Yeah, and I guess we get into, uh, when we do the Nylander deal mentally, all of us, you look at the the other two contracts that will happen next year. So let me ask you this. Whatever Nylander signs for, doesn't Mitch Marner get exactly the same a year from now? Well, if you, if you equate those two players... You can say that, but I, I don't. I don't equate those two players. I think Marner's put himself on a different level. I mean, personally, I mean, with, with the way he's been able to produce, you know, for a guy to lead the team in scoring last year, granted, with, with Austin Matthews missing twenty games, uh, but for him to lead the team in scoring in the regular season, to lead it in the playoffs, and to do it in a season where you know you could argue, if you're making the case for him, that he got the absolute shortest of shifts being, you know, relegated to the fourth line at one point in the season to be to play with uh, line mates that were they, they really weren't worthy of his skill set as finishers. Um, you know, the and the idea is that, hey, if he is indeed gonna play regularly with John Tavares, as Mike Babcock suggested he will, uh in in a in a pretty rare, you know, uh forthcoming moment for Mike Babcock uh, around the signing of Tavares, um what what could his point total be this season? Uh, That's right. You know, you know sixty nine seems awfully low. The idea that he could he could get into the eighty or even the ninety range playing if he played regularly with with, with Tavares doesn't seem far fetched to me, given the incredible vision and and you know sort of next level anticipation that that Mitch Marner shows. So. Uh, you know, I think I think Marner is a confounding case. I think that's the one that concerns me more if I'm Dubis, because if you if you don't sign him before this season, you have to wait till after this season when he's had a full year playing with John Tavares. Man, I, you shudder at the idea of what you might have to pay him 
uh, after the numbers he might be able to put up. It's interesting because both those guys were, were uh, I guess, assigned to the fourth line for periods of time last year to, to uh, get round out their game. And Mitch Marner really became a better player after he graduated off that fourth line. So I agree with you. I mean, his uh, his ceiling is sort of fluctuating where I think we understand where Nylander goes. Uh, what do you think about the blue line? Because as I've said earlier, I really like the forward unit. And to me, it's a step or two in terms of development ahead of the blue line. And I don't want the blue line to sort of slow things down. What do they do back there? <laughs> this is the evergreen topic of yeah. sports radio, right? Like, yeah. what, what do you do? What do you do with the Maple Leafs blue line? And I, I there's, there's an easy, if there was an easy answer, um, you know, they, they would have figured it out by now. But you look at it, I mean, what you do with the Maple Leafs blue line in short, to me, Jim, is, is you hope. You hope Nikita Zaitsev bounces back off that horrendous season he had last year. And you hope that his $4.5 million cap hit doesn't become an albatross uh, that's, way, that's way bigger than it should be for the level of play he's given you. And if he gives you what he gave you last year, you know, he, he's, he's, his contract is a burden. Um, but if he gives you what you think he might be able to give you um, in a season where he's maybe coming in a little fresher, uh, a little freer of injury, uh, you know, you, you got to believe he can live up to it. you got to hope that Jake Gardner uh, could either become, uh, a, you know, a trade piece, given his deal is, is, is on the last year of his deal, or, or that Jake Gardner, you know, slowly begins to figure out uh, what it means not to make egregious mistakes in the NHL. You know, you, you got to hope that Morgan Riley continues, who is still in a, in a growth period, in my, you know, in sure. my opinion, to say, given, given he's, uh, he's 24 years old, I mean, you got to hope that he continues to land in a guy who approximates a number one defenseman down the road. Um, all those things I think could happen. I mean, you know, I think if you're, you can be pessimistic about this blue line, but I also think there's, there's reason for optimism because you do have some talent back there, but, and then you got to hope that Travis Dermott continues to, to skyrocket because he's obviously your value guy back there on his, on his entry level deal. And, and he, as much as he's had moments, uh, where he's looked, you know, exposed. Uh, man, he's had moments where he's looked electric and, and, and been in control of the puck like very few defensemen can be in control of the puck in this league. So, I mean, there are, there are reasons, but hey, you're also you're open to anything. If you're transactionally as 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 the general manager of this team, you're obviously open to anything that can improve your blue line. And, and I, I think they've kind of come to the realization that they're probably not going to be able to ever land that number one guy because uh, the Drew Daddies of the world aren't coming. But uh, you got to just hope you can just keep adding twos and threes and, and fours and hopefully round into something that approximates approximate the uh, possible blue line. Yeah, I like the way you mapped that out because really, uh, from top to bottom, uh, if you're dealing with Morgan Riley or Zaitsev or or Travis Dermott or or the the next group of defensemen on the Marlies, if you if you wanted to push the trade button, you wouldn't know exactly what you were trading because it's not defined, and that's always a dangerous thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, it's usually. I mean, it's. It, 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 I mean, remember looking back in Leafs history about all the times they've they traded guys too early, and that the, the, the franchise history is littered with instances of that. So you got to avoid that, and 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 that's why I think that's why I think it's it's you know it's it's too early to get panicky about the about the blue line. I mean, especially since I think we kind of you know if you look at the way. Uh, Kyle Dubas is approaching things. You know, the, the league is is kind of heading toward. At least the least hope that the league is heading toward, you know, uh, kind of a an almost positionless type of, of hockey, right? Where where your blue liners handle the puck as well as your forwards, ideally, yeah. where, where it's just skill in all five positions. And maybe the Leafs have kind of over 
maybe they've overdone that because they're, they're going to be an awfully small team next year, you know, and they're going to be an awfully, you could say, a gritless team now that they've given up on the likes of Leo Komarov's and the Roman Polak's and the Matt Martins of the world. But, but you know, Dubas is, is all in on skill and speed and the ability to, 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 to make plays with the puck. Um, if that that's indeed the case, I think he has he has blue liners that 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 can do that in the system, right? I mean, they hope Timothy Zaletman, whether who they feel they stole in the draft a couple of years ago, t- turns into that type of player. And uh, you know, you look at Dermott and and, and the skill involved in, with with Riley's game and and Gardner's game, and even Connor Carrick's game, who they obviously believe in and and have given, given another chance in a Roman Polak less world on the right side. So. Man, there's, there's reason to believe they're right. They gotta hope that there's not a correction in the league where, where uh, you know, sort of that toughness and and uh, grit and physicality doesn't become back in vogue, and, and they don't get caught on the wrong side of skill. But as long as the rest keep blowing whistles on the stuff that's blowing the whistles on, I think I think Ubus is betting right. Dave, thanks for stopping by. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it, Jim. Take it easy. Dave Festchuk from the Toronto Star at Festchuk is the Twitter account.